0: I want to read straight to you from John chapter 20, as shell's already alluded to. We're going to read this together. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. If you don't know who that is, that's John. He's the one who wrote this book. John chapter 20. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Apparently they're having a running race. He stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and he went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who reached the tomb first, John, also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. (laughs) What a funny way to finish it. Then they went home. Oh, this is normal. (laughs) But he is risen. Oh, hey. <laughs> Let's try that again. He is risen. So risen indeed. Oh, wonderful. He isn't there. The tomb is empty. This is the moment that Mary and Simon Peter and John, they realize that Jesus has, in fact, risen from the dead as he said he would. He said that he would. This is the story that the Christian faith hinges on, that Jesus once was dead, now surely he's risen as we've just sung. I remember reading this story as a child, playing parts in Easter plays. I was like that pastor's kid who ran around and ran amok and did absolutely everything. And looking at the nice pictures in my illustrated Bible of Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. And I'm fortunate enough that this has been a very familiar story to me for my whole life. But at some point, the familiarity had to turn into reality. For me, there was a point where I realized that this story was actually more than an ice story in a picture book, and it became real. For the disciples, you can see where the things that they'd read about Jesus, the things that Jesus had said, these familiar words to them, I'm sure, when they became real, when they flipped from being just a story, just words, to reality. This is when they saw the empty tomb. When they saw their hope realised, when they could come out of the sorrow and the despair that they felt on Friday and Saturday, that their saviour was killed on a cross and realised that he's no longer there. He's no longer in the tomb. He is actually risen. And it says this, for until then, until that moment, they hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Can you imagine reading that and thinking, what no one rises from the dead. What are you talking about? When, when you're dead, you're dead. This is just how it goes. But no, Jesus said he would rise from the dead. And if you take yourself there with me for a minute, you imagine what it would have been like that seeing the empty tomb, seeing that this saviour, this Jesus who was dead, is now actually not there. I think I probably would have been pretty confused wondering where he is. But now that they saw it and they understood, they understood what actually Jesus was talking about. And all these scriptures that they'd read about, they understood, oh, he's actually not there. He's actually done what he said he would do. And the story moves from familiarity to reality. Maybe you're like me, and this is a story that you've heard many times. I think Perhaps even if you didn't grow up in the church, it's still a familiar story. And you might know, maybe not word for word or anything like that, but you, might, you probably know the gist of it, right? You know, this is what happened. Jesus died three days later, he rose again. But my question that I have for you today on this Resurrection Sunday is, is this story just a familiar story? Or is it actually real? Is it actually real to you? So on Good Friday... We told the story of four biblical characters whose lives were deeply impacted by Jesus. That was Mary Magdalene, Simon Peter, Nicodemus, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. If you don't know who they are, I will tell you in a minute. And each of these people carried a significant burden as they watched Jesus die on the cross. A burden that felt extremely heavy as they actually stood there and watched him take his last breath. At the point of good friday they actually weren't sure whether jesus really was going to rise again even though they've read about it and they've heard him say it it's another thing to actually see it right it's it's pretty fantastical (laughs) It might have even felt a bit like a fairy tale to them like sure okay i'll believe it when i see it and then they see it (laughs) but at this point before before this day on the good on friday and on saturday they haven't yet seen their stories resolved Their hope realised. But now, it's Sunday. It's Sunday, and let's look at Mary Magdalene. What's she doing? So she's actually the first person to see the tomb empty. She is, I don't know if you know anything about Mary Magdalene, but she's got a troubled past. She's actually a reformed prostitute. She's someone who was very troubled, and Jesus actually cast out seven demons from her. She had a very tough life and no one looked at her like she was human and Jesus is actually the first person who accepted her as she was when no one else did. So if we keep reading in John chapter 20 verse 11 to 18 it says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying and as she wept she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. And she turned to him and cried out, Raboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. See, not only is Mary Magdalene the first one to see that the tomb is empty, she is the first person who Jesus appears to as well. She comes, she's clearly devastated that he's died. She doesn't know where he's gone. And I wonder, does she understand that he's not there because he's risen? Well, not quite yet. But she talks to the gardener, the gardener, and she realizes that it's Jesus because Jesus reveals himself to her. And she cries out to him as she realizes that he's alive. I don't have to try and get by without him anymore if you, were, if you were Mary, I can imagine she was, a, she was probably quite worried that she was going to go back to being an outcast in society because there was no Jesus anymore. Because Jesus actually changed her story so much so that she is the first person, she's a very close person to Jesus, she's the first person to see him, to see him risen from the dead. And yet she was once an outcast. But her hope is now realised because he is alive and she sees him. And she's actually the one that goes and tells the disciples about it. He's alive once more. Her story is resolved. Her grief is resolved. What about Simon Peter? We've heard a little bit about him already. Apparently he's a slow runner. But... Let's go to the Gospel of Mark to see what he might have been feeling. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 to 7. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene married the mother of James and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll the stone away from us, for us to the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting at the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, "'Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter,' that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. It says, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. That's Simon Peter. I wonder what's going on for Peter there. We know that he's denied Jesus three times before he went to the cross. We know that he's he's very ashamed of that. You know, he's, he's got some regrets. He's normally actually a really confident guy. He's very outspoken. He's very much like, I've got the answer to everything, Jesus. But when it came down to the wire, when he was asked, do you know this man, he said no. Three times. Is Simon Peter perhaps wondering if he's worthy? Is he wondering if Jesus actually still loves him? Is he wondering if he's messed up so badly, too badly to be forgiven? to be even part of his disciples anymore. But it says, go and tell his disciples, including Peter. Including Peter. He's actually still loved. He's still part of the disciples. This is what it's saying. He's still called a follower of Jesus, even though he's messed up pretty badly. He's still a follower of Jesus. This is saying that he is still accepted, even though he's done a bad thing. See, I think to these two people so far, both of their stories are realised in the resurrection. And see, I think the resurrection story moves from just a familiar story, just one that we know and we read as a child or whatever it is, it moves from just a familiar story to a reality when it actually makes a tangible difference in our lives when we experience the resurrection for ourselves, when we experience what this would have been like, when something actually shifts in our lives, when our burdens are taken away and relief comes, when the grief that we felt dissipates because we see Jesus, when the regrets that we feel goes away and we are accepted, and we know that we're accepted, when our condemnation is taken away, Romans 8 says, there's no, no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. And that's what Mary was experiencing. Now, there's two other characters as well. There's Nicodemus. This might be one that le- less heard of. Um, he is, he is someone in the council, the Jewish council. He's in the Sanhedrin. He's a powerful leader. And actually, Nicodemus's story gets resolved right before the resurrection. So it says in John 19, 38 to 42, the burial of Jesus. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes, Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a, a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So Nicodemus decides, now that he's seen Jesus die, that he's actually going to be associated with Jesus. Because before then, he was... He wasn't sure. Based on the evidence before him, it seems that he actually decides that Jesus is in fact the Messiah and he's worth me going and doing this for. But he doesn't associate himself with Jesus before he dies because he's afraid. He's afraid of what the other people in the Sanhedrin might think of him. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, actually her story is also resolved before Jesus dies. And she was... She was losing her oldest son, the son who would look after her. And Jesus gives her another son. Despite him being in excruciating physical agony, Jesus was concerned about the welfare of his mother and the pain that she was experiencing. And it says, after he, after he provides for her, that his mission is done. See, I think the resurrection story moves from a familiar story to a reality, when it makes a tangible difference in our lives. When something shifts, when our burdens are taken away, when our fears, our guilt, our sorrow, our griefs, our condemnation is taken away. You see, when Jesus died, he took on all of those burdens. He took all of them on. And he took them to the grave, for not only for these four people we talked about, but actually for you and for me, for each one of us. For Mary, it was for fear of condemnation. For Simon Peter, the grief that he felt and the regrets that he carried. For Nicodemus, it was his fear of being identified, associated with Jesus, and for Mary, his mother. It was the intense grief that she had at losing her son. I wonder if any of these ring a bell with you. I wonder if any of them go, any of them you think, oh, that's like me. Those are the things that I feel. But today, there is good news. (laughs) See, Jesus took all of these burdens with him to the grave. He took all of them. And actually, when Jesus rises on Sunday, on today, he leaves those burdens behind in the grave and he rises without them, free from them. See, this is why Jesus had to die. Because with him, he carries every bad thing that we've ever done, every bad thing we've ever felt, every grief, every sorrow, everything you can think of, that would separate you from Jesus, he takes that with him and he goes even to the lengths of dying for them, dying with them, so that he can leave them behind in death. And the resurrection becomes real for us when we realize that that is actually for me. That's actually for you. That the things that you feel, the grief that you feel, the pain that you feel, whatever it is, is actually for you that Jesus took that to the grave so that you could be whole. Let's read in Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 6. This is good news. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the sins of us all. See, all of us have strayed away from God and from His best for us. We've left God's paths to follow our own instead. I think no matter how long you've known Jesus, there are times in our lives when we all do that. It's not a it's not a we're always perfect by any means. It's that we need Jesus so that we can remain whole, so that even when we've decided that we're going to follow Him, we can continue, to follow him and continue to be whole. And even though we've done that, even though we have strayed away from God and what his best is for us, he still laid on Jesus the sins of us all. He still sent his son, even though we turned our backs on him. And, you know, when we choose to believe that Jesus did actually do what he said he was going to do on this day, what he did today, what we celebrate today, it removes the fear that we carry. It takes away the guilt. It takes away the sorrows, the grief that we might feel, the sins that we've committed against each other and against God. Jesus came to take all of that on himself so that we didn't, have, we didn't have to carry it anymore. Perhaps you're going around life with what feels like a really big burden on your back, on your shoulders. Perhaps you're going around carrying, carrying a grief that you can't seem to shake carrying a burden that feels too heavy for you to carry on your own. I want to say today that the sacrifice of Jesus today can take that away for you. He wants to carry that for you. The resurrection, yes, is a historical event, but it is still just as relevant today for us as it was for those people back then. Because if we believe that Jesus actually did rise from the dead, we can then walk in freedom. We can then walk free of our burdens, free of our griefs that we feel, free of the sorrows that we carry. Whatever it is, insert here, whatever it is that you're feeling, that God can actually take those for you. And Jesus did that. He took that burden for you down to the grave And then he rises again without it. He rises again free, a spotless lamb, so that you can know him. And this is good news. So my question, is this familiar or is it real? I want to give you an opportunity for this to be real today. For this story to become more than just a story in a picture book or a story that we read or that we participate in once a year when we come to Easter services with our parents or whoever, I want to give you an opportunity to take a hold of the reality that Jesus rose again, that he actually defeated death so that you could know him, so that you could know him personally. And if you're carrying something today, if you came in here feeling really heavy, If you've been carrying some burden on your back, today is the day that it gets resolved. Today is the day that you can put that on Jesus. You can give that to Jesus and he will rise again without that burden. You don't need to carry it anymore. And you might be sitting here wondering Does he carry my struggles with my family? Does he carry my losses? Does Jesus carry the hurts that I can't seem to get past? Does he carry the pain that I experience on a daily basis? Does he carry the anxiety that I experience? The depression? Does he carry the grief that I've been ignoring? It's just sitting there on my shoulders? The answer is yes. Yes, he does. And he died taking all of that down to the grave, so that you could be free, so that you could be whole. It says he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Awful, awful images. But he was beaten so that you could be whole. Insert your name here. He was whipped so that you could be healed. Even if you have strayed away, today is the day that you can come back. You can come back and you are invited back today. Today is the day of resolution. And so as we sit here, wherever we're joining, I want to invite you to just shut your eyes. Assume an attitude of prayer with us. And if you want to be whole again today, if you feel like that's you, that I've strayed away, I want to tell you that you haven't strayed away too far, There's never too far, that Jesus wants you to come back to him today. If that's you, no one is looking. I want you to just hold out your hands in front of you. This is between you and God. He sees you. Just hold out your hands in front of you and say, Lord, I know that I have walked away. I know that I've done stuff that displeases you. But I also know that you died for me. And I choose to believe again that you rose so that I could know you. I thank you, God, that I can know you. I'm sorry that I've strayed away, but today I choose you. And I thank you for rising again for me. Maybe you're sitting here and there's a burden that you carry. If you're sitting there, you know what it is. I don't need to tell you. But if, there, if you're sitting there and there's this niggling thing inside of you, that's the Holy Spirit. He's telling you, you don't need to carry this anymore. So whatever burden you carry, and we're going to do the same thing. What I want you to do is might feel a little weird, but imagine yourself taking it off your shoulders and holding it out in front of you. There's something so powerful about just imagining giving it to Jesus. Take it off your shoulders, hold it out in front of you because Jesus is going to take it away from you today. Father, I pray for those who are feeling that that burden, whatever it is, God. You know it. You know each one of us. Would you take our burdens on you, God? We believe that you died so that we could know you. You died and took those burdens down to the grave. Lord, take our burdens now. Take them away from us. We give them to you, Father, knowing that you are strong enough, knowing that you defeated death so that we could be whole. Now, I'm talking about any kind of burden, whatever it is. If you're like, maybe this burden is too small, I don't know. Nothing is too small and nothing is too big for Jesus. Can I encourage you not to leave today still carrying it? Lord, take our burdens. We give you our weaknesses, our sins, Lord. We know that you take them for us. And we, we thank you, God, that you did. Father, we believe that you died and rose again. You rose again on this day and that we don't have to leave still burdened. We don't have to leave still carrying the things that we've done, the sorrows, the griefs that we experience. We don't have to leave with them because of what you've done. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.